0: Here's what's coming up on today's show. Now this makes this more advantageous for people possibly to use these as vehicles. You know, if you definitely think that your your child's gonna go on in post-secondary education sure. and, and all those things.
1: It's time for financial advisor, Ben Schrock, to give you the keys to retiring with confidence. This is Unlocking Your Financial Future.
2: Hello, I'm Ben Schrock, and welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Your Financial Future. And joining me today is Colleen LeMasters. Colleen, welcome back.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me
1: back. Oh,
2: you bet. So today, um, you know, we're we're talking here at the beginning of uh, 2023. Um, some big stuff happened towards the end of the year, um, squeezed in at the last minute, as always, within the uh, their budget, you know, proposal or whatever. Congress uh, squeezed through uh, the Secure Act 2.0. So. We're going to focus today on the Secure Act 2.0 and talk about some of the ins and outs. But first, before we get started on that, Colleen, give us a brief overview of the, the original Secure Act. Um, what, If anything changed or um, do, any key points that we need to know of the differences between the original Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0.
0: Yeah, so um, really the Secure Act 2.0 kind of um, really expanded or I would say, you know, really expanded kind of what they passed in the original secure act, or maybe it highlighted or, um, gave some clarification on some of the stuff Mm -hmm. that they had passed in there currently, you know, the, the one thing that they really, um, in the secure act 2.0 that, that was in the original, sorry, in the first one was how they, the stretch IRA rules and how, and on how people can inherit IRAs or how they're passed on to the next generation. So that's still applicable, but they actually just kind of expanded that that conversation around that and said that now if you're a non-spouse, you have to take that out over a 10-year period. And it's yeah. not just in the 10th year. You need to tar- start taking distributions out every year. Yeah,
2: it was pretty gray, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, there, there wasn't a lot of information. It was, hey, just get it all out in 10 years. So we didn't know if you had to take a 10% per year or, you know, wait till the 10th year and take yeah. it all out. You know what? This expanded on that a little bit. Correct. Okay. Correct. And there was some other stuff too. So basically our understanding of of the secure act and the secure act 2.0 is if, if something was not modified or changed or altered in any way, the, the original secure act still stands, right? The, Correct. the, the points in the, and the different rules within there. It's just that, Um, they they modified them a little bit or expanded them uh, quite a bit. So we're gonna go over all those um, expansion points within there and I think the first one and probably the, the hot button for most of our client base is the requirement of distribution age which originally was 70 and a half, and then the Secure Act came in and, and made it 72. And of course, they made it a little bit more complex. <laughs> Naturally. Um, and so Colleen, give us a brief overview of what we went from from 72 to where we are today in the Secure Act 2.0.
0: Yeah. So now uh, with the Secure Act 2.0, um, required minimum distribution ages have been pushed now to age 73 or 75 starting in 2033. So it's okay. kind of a... I don't know why they can make it so complicated, but, but anyways, so for a lot of, you know, are if you are getting close to that age of 72, now it's going to be 73 yeah. for you.
2: So in other words, if, if you turn 72 last year in 2022, you had to take a distribution, Correct. right? If you turn 72 this year in 2023, you do not. Correct. Your, your first year is next year, 2024. Correct. Okay. And then if you turn 75 in 2033, yeah. um, <laughs> Then that's your new age, your new requirement of distribution age, which is, uh, um, which only makes sense why they added the next point, right? If you missed your RMD, um, there was always a penalty. What changed there now?
0: Yeah. So it used to be a 50% um, penalty on that side, and now it's dropped to 25%. So they're kind of cutting that in half. So it's not as drastic if you do... I mean it's still drastic but it's not yeah. as drastic if you do miss a required minimum distribution so they, on that they side kind of
2: set us up to say you're probably going to miss it because the laws are pretty complicated <laughs> <Okay>. now <laughs> yeah. so um we know you're going to miss it so here I'll, we're going to lessen I'll, the penalty maybe they'll
0: make a secure act two or <laughs> yeah. 3.0 maybe <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) On that side, I hope not. I hope
2: not. I'm done with these changes. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think it definitely gives people an opportunity, though. Um, you know, to to continue to do Roth conversions, it gives them another another year, even a couple years, to continue to do that.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that hits the nail on the head, right? You know, we originally were looking at people that, if they're 65 retirement, we have maybe, and they have a tax issue with their IRAs, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Um, we have X amount of years to start converting out of that IRA into the Roth if it made sense for that that situation. Now we had, you got excited, okay, now we have potentially two more years, right, at 72. Correct. Now with Secure Act 2.0, we might have another year, eight years, or even further, going all the way out to 75, potentially. Um, so there is definitely some opportunities there for people Correct. that may have too much money, or what we, we put in parentheses, too much money. Um, in
0: qualified in, accounts. Yeah, <laughs> in
2: qualified accounts. So so we don't have to maybe blitz as much money out in a Roth conversion or take so much out. We have a little bit more time to, to do that. Correct. Um, so another key point um, is they they increased our contributions, which we've seen, mm-hmm. right? The catch-up contributions, um, and, and for what that is, calling kind of clue people into what a catch-up contribution is and um, where we're seeing those at uh, now under the. Secure Act 2.0.
0: Yeah, so really, it's for anyone over age 50 can do what we call catch-up contributions. So for 2023, on an IRA contribution, if you were under age 50, you can make about a $6,500 contribution. Mm-hmm. Now you're able to do $1,000 more, so that would make you allowed to do $7,500 into that Roth or a traditional IRA. You know, if you qualify to contribute to those um, on that side, so that's always a I mean, that, that's a nice factor, and they really haven't increased those. I mean, it's been the right. same number for, like, the past <laughs> couple years at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, again, I think it, that, that also helps keep pace with inflation, right? You know, we mm-hmm. haven't had inflationary pressures like we've seen today yeah. in a long time. So they can get away with that, you know, by not increasing that catch-up contribution, um, now we need people to, to save more to keep pace with uh, mm-hmm. inflation out there. Yep. And, and then they did some weird, kind of funky, yeah. you know, uh, age range between 16 and 63. Correct. They can add an extra almost $10,000 in their 401k, which, again, we're not going to highlight today. And that doesn't go into effect to like 2020. Yeah, it's 2025.
0: Yeah, 2025, 2024. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we still have time, and that's probably going to be something that they're going to expand upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the key point is that they're actually going to index that piece for inflation, which I think is good. I yeah. mean, but if we look historically back at inflation, you know, we might be able to contribute two percent more. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be enough to to move the needle a ton yeah, on that side. It won't
2: be as rampant as it is today. And Correct. Long lasting. Correct. You know, for that matter. So. And then uh, a, a kind of a, a curveball they threw at us under the this was you know I was always. You know, not a huge fan of 529 plans. Having three kids, mm-hmm. Colleen has two of her own. Um, 529s were kind of a, a touchy subject, right? It was like, okay, well, I got, I'm forced to spend my money. You know, my kids are forced to spend their money in college. Well, what right. if they get a full ride scholarship, or what if um, they choose not to go to college, and all these things you're saving for a specific niche, and and they're not using it, it, it kind of you know, rub me the wrong way. So this one now gives an opportunity that changes to the five twenty nines that I kind of like, which means it may be a viable option now to save for uh, education. Can you go over that? The, the rule change on that?
0: Yeah. So um, really, the biggest thing that they said is that you can roll over up to thirty five thousand dollars during your lifetime to a Roth IRA. So it's not like you just have to use it for education or cuz we'll see a lot of people come in and be like I have like $5,000 left, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in my 529 plan. Right. What do I do with it? Well, you know, my typical answer is like do you have anyone you can give it to yeah. cuz um you're going to pay ordinary income and a 10% you know penalty on top of that. Yep. So it's just you know again now this makes this more advantageous for people possibly to use these as vehicles, you know, if you definitely think that your your child's going to go on and Post-secondary education sure. and, and all those things.
2: Yeah, and, and um, I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people think, well, it's all or nothing. I, I you know, that's immediately where my mind went. But to your point, well, if I saved sixty thousand let's say and I spent 30 of it for college or my kids spent 30,000 now they got 30,000 left over what do we do with it well shift it down to the next child no they have their own you yeah know, or you're the only child what do you do you're kind of stuck right yeah. cash it out take the penalty take the tax it now we have an opportunity if it was open for what is it 15 years I think
0: yeah um I think it's yeah 15 years so yeah
2: it had to be open for 15 years if it if that were the case which most of it most of the time it would yeah. be um, they can roll that over to the Roth IRA, which is a great way to jumpstart a retirement plan for someone that's freshly graduated out of college. Correct. So correct. Pretty, pretty cool um, uh, law change there. Which, which I, again, I, like I said, I like. And I think that's a, a good opportunity for people. Now, um, another one talking about maybe you know entry points and in, in getting into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, they added a clause within f- existing four hundred and one k's that there's an automatic enrollment, right? You, you are automatically enrolled and you have to contribute to your 401k. Now, if it's offered,
0: correct, correct. And you're automatically enrolled. I think it was like a, it's around 3% and okay. then, you know, it increases by 1% every year until, until about 10%. Um, sorry, you, you contribute, you're contributing about 10% of your, your salary on that side.
2: So obviously this was done to encourage, um, people to, well, and not even encourage, force people to save for retirement, which again, isn't a bad, bad thing. But where do we see, where do you see problems from a planning perspective for someone that, that may not be paying attention to this, or maybe that, that traditional 401k isn't the best route to save?
0: Correct. Um, I mean, the, the biggest areas is like, if you work for like maybe an employer that never, never matches or throws in a match, and then you're automatically, you know, increasing your contribution on that side, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe you were doing something outside of the 401k platform, like maybe you were saving in a brokerage account, maybe you were doing like your own Roth, you know, or traditional IRA contributions, um, and you didn't want to participate in the plan, now you're going to, you know, automatically be enrolled on that side.
2: Yeah. And what if, you know, we talk about all the time having, you know, too much money again, in the air quotes, yeah. um, too much money in a pre-tax account. Well, you know, if this thing is automatic and we're not going in Correct. and, and adjusting this on a regular basis. We're automatically saving money pre-tax and adding fuel to that fire. Right. Correct. And, you know, immediately in my mind, I go, how do we work out the logistics of this? Right. How yeah. do these, these institutions automatically enroll people into the into this plan is it automatic enrollment pre-tax can we opt in and out every year do we have a window to do that yeah again we don't i don't have that answer i don't know if you know the answer and i haven't seen that
0: no and i mean it doesn't start until 2025 so i guarantee it we'll see it december 2024 (laughs) twenty-four. will be a clarification on that side
2: Yeah, because I I would have to imagine that people would have to have the opportunity to opt out of that. Or, you know, add more to that. Instead of the the three, maybe they do five and um, keep putting in an extra 1% in there, so... I don't know. It, it's something that, that, uh, sounds good on paper, but, uh, when you dive in a little bit deeper, you wonder how you can work it out, the logistics of it. And Correct. does it make sense for every single person? Correct. Right? I don't know that, that, that one's, you know, I, I guess case by case scenario, but I like the, the thought process behind it. Correct. Now, uh, you, you being, uh, uh, you know, we're kind of just going right down this yeah. list. Yeah. You know, there's, there's what, 16 different key items yeah. we want to get across. Um, we're not going to go over all 16, but, Uh, And obviously, if people have questions on this, you can reach out to us and and, uh, we'd be happy to discuss that further. But you being the student loan guru here in our office, Colleen, there was an interesting um, change to the Secure Act 2.0 or introduction. It wasn't really Mm -hmm. a change um, with with student loan payment. And it was something along the lines of um, the employers can now set aside money for student loan payments. Is yeah, that correct.
0: Yeah, so it's um kind of the the way that uh, you know the within a 401k or 403b yeah. plan um, if the employer is contributing on that side, you know, they can count that payment as a as like their elective deferral. So that way they're still getting the match inside that that plan.
2: So the match, let's just paint the picture. You put yeah. in 3%, employer matches 3. You can tell the employer to take that three percent and throw it at my student loans
0: yeah so the way that um i mean i've read that it works is like essentially like you would have to show and again this is more of like the logistics thing like how is this going to pan out so essentially your student loan payment let's just say if it equates to like three percent of your salary Mm -hmm. um, that would count as you you doing three percent and then the employer paying or the employer will still put three percent then into your account Gotcha. If that makes sense. So, so you're still can essentially you're not contributing to like your retirement plan because you're too busy paying paying your student loans. Makes sense. But then they're still putting in their match on that side.
2: Gotcha. So it, it's basically saying that because because again, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds good on, in theory and on paper, but how can a, an employer take money from a pre-tax account, throw it into an after-tax loan payment? Correct. You know, it, it's not not possible. Yeah. So, so yeah. To, to reiterate what you just said you make your student loan payment and, and, and in lieu of contributing to your 401k, Correct. you don't miss out on that match, right? Correct. So normally employer says, in order for me to match three, you got to give me three, Correct. but you put 3% towards your student loan payments. They'll still match About their three. 401k Correct. as if you were contributing. Makes yep. sense. I wonder how that works with the automatic enrollment. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: where I'm like, I don't know. my yeah. <laughs> My so. head's kind of spinning on that one. I mean, I'm sure that there's there's going to be some like logistics to where maybe you have to like submit documentation of, you know, what your payment is, you know, every month. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. So interesting. (laughs) I would hate to work in the 401k world. right now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, uh, (laughs) me too. Um, and last two things, uh, we want to cover and and we'll wrap things up. Um, the, the one thing they, they expanded a little bit on the, uh, the QCDs, the qualified charitable, um, uh, contra- or distributions, excuse me. So ch- charitable, oh, it's a mouthful, qualified yeah. charitable, charitable distributions. Yeah. So I'll let Colleen expand on that a little bit um, as to what the limits are and what they, how they expanded that.
0: Yeah, so really, I mean, the main thing that I think that they they did was um, pretty much if you're over age 70 and a half, you can take up to $100,000 and direct that to a charity out of like a qualified plan. So that's your IRA 401k And it really doesn't show as taxable income to you, but you also don't get the deduction on the other side. So it's kind of a a good way with where standard deductions are so high, we can really maximize, you know, a gift, but also you don't see it as taxable income to yourself.
2: And the threshold now is what, 50 currently? So it's
0: 100,000 currently, um, but they did say that you could do, they also expanded it really to where that 100,000 in 2024 is gonna be indexed for inflation because it's been $100,000 for a very long time. So they're actually going to index that for inflation. So that number will kind of continue to get larger and larger that you're allowed to, allowed to do on that side.
2: So you don't get to deduct it, but yep. you don't have to show it as yep. income. Correct. Basically. I mean, it's it just it kind of money in, money out, right? Correct. Or money out and, and you just yeah. don't have to claim it as taxable Correct. income. Correct. Okay. Correct. Which is a nice, I mean, sure. it,
0: especially if you're in a higher tax bracket, it really makes a difference. Yeah, and
2: RMD ages and Correct. things like that. Correct.
0: Correct. And then the other thing that that you can do um, is they they're allowing this this to a one time like it's for fifty thousand dollars distribution to a charity through like you can use um, charitable gift annuities charitable remainder trust and um, charitable remainder annuity trust so you can do a one-time one $50, time fifty thousand dollar. Into one of those, which is kind of interesting, because a char, like a, a charitable remainder annuity trust. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end, like it's still giving you back some income. money, some income. Right. So you're, I mean, that's a huge strategy right there sure. as well.
2: Sure, and that's fifty k per taxpayer, right? So a yes, married correct. couple would have a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And same, same. Like if you're married, you know, and each you and your spouse have a hundred thousand dollars that you want to give each, you can do two hundred right. on that side.
2: Awesome. Makes sense. And the last one um, we're gonna highlight and and won't get too much in the weeds of it is that they're now, they have offered some, you know, lifetime income options within um, 401Ks. That that was brought up in the original Secure Act, but this one now is flat out saying, hey, we're gonna give you an option to buy annuities within your 401K. You know, pros, cons, what are your initial thoughts on that?
0: I mean, so my initial thoughts are they're very complex. Mm -hmm. And I see this either, you know, like, You know, what are the fees associated with it, right? You know, because if it's a variable annuity, it's going to have different riders fees. Can people add riders, you know, onto their contracts? Um, What is it guaranteeing them? Is it truly what's the best one in the industry, right, for them? You know, how are they going to prove that, you know, for all their participants on that yeah side. i mean
2: right there's a fiduciary duty and in, inside those 401ks um how do they vet that annuity product that insurance product within there to make sure that it is the you know quote unquote the best correct option and you know is there is there a surrender charge associated with it correct you know, or is it a you know just a flat fee type uh structure of it so um again i don't think it's a bad idea to introduce those but i i think that we need to know more and and the education needs to be better in there right if it's a say just a traditional fixed annuity yeah um people may need to understand if it's a five-year annuity inside there you can't access your money for five years correct yeah you're getting a guaranteed rate of return but if you try to move it all back out of that in year three is there a penalty correct you know i don't i again i don't know the 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 details of that and how they're going to fit that in there but i think it it's one of those it can't be good if we know more about it. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns about that one.
2: Yeah. And, and, and when you retire, does it stay in the annuity wrapper? Can you roll that into an annuity IRA? Does mm-hmm. it have to stay within the 401k? Yeah. Again, all those different um, little nuances that we have to, to kind of dive yep. in deeper and understand. So, Yep. Like anything that gets passed through, um, you know, we'll we'll digest more and more as it comes. A lot of these things, like Colleen mentioned earlier, they have strike dates of like 24, 25. So there is time to figure it all out. And I think mainly time for them to figure it out. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. But in any case, I do think that there's a lot of of good inside of this Secure Act 2.0, just things that people need to be aware of and and pay attention to. So. Um, Colleen, thanks for for hopping on with this. And, and if you guys have questions regarding the Secure Act 2.0 or even the original Secure Act, you can reach out to us at 330-473-1060 or shoot us an email at info at bashrock-fg.com or just go to our website, dot fgcom and uh, look us up on the internet, set up a time to, to have a consultation with one of our advisors in the office. So again, Colleen, thanks and uh, stay tuned for... Uh, the next episode. Thank you.
0: Thanks.
1: Investment advisory services offered through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management, Inc., a registered investment advisor. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement. This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation.